The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hi, I'm Carrie Charles, and thank you so much for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. I am especially excited to get into this conversation today, and I'd like to introduce to you our guest, Sal Deitri. He is the chairman of the National Spectrum Consortium, and he's the vice president and general manager of Federal for Federated Wireless. Sal, thank you so much for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. Gary, thanks for having me and time to talk about the consortium. I'm really excited to be with you. Good, good. Well, let's just get right into it. So what is the National Spectrum Consortium and what is the organization's role in the development of 5G? The consortium is a group of about 400 industry leaders in 5G and wireless spectrum. And we comprise academia, the Silicon Valley startup, traditional commercial companies and traditional DOD contractors who have all come together to create dual-use technologies and really U.S. innovation in 5G and wireless spectrum. And as you know, wireless spectrum fuels 5G and the entire Wi-Fi, all the ecosystem. It's sort of the oil of our generation. And so when you put those two things together, there's a tremendous opportunity for innovation technology transfer, and for the U.S. to be a leader in the emerging 5G world. So what is your role as chairman? What are you responsible for? So as chairman, I'm really representative of the members, but also I engage with the Department of Defense, along with our executive committee in strategic discussions about how industry can rapidly come together with the government to provide 5G innovation. And a lot is that through working groups, through just collaborative nature, the kind of thing you see in Silicon Valley a lot where folks will just get together and brainstorm. We're bringing that capability to the Department of Defense around 5G and Spectrum. Okay, so what is, are there qualifications to be a member? Let's say someone is listening now and they would like more information or like to become a member. Well, the key thing for folks considering membership and really for leaders We hold a $1.2 billion contract with the Department of Defense for 5G innovation. And we've seen numerous RFPs and opportunities to expand and grow 5G, deploy 5G at sites around the United States. So if you're a startup, if you're an academic who has a great idea, or you're a large company who wants to move into the 5G space, the National Spectrum Consortium is an excellent opportunity for those companies. And consortium as a whole is very collaborative. By our nature, we collaborate with each other. We work together in this community to solve problems. So if someone wants to join, there are a few hurdles there. The membership fee is almost nothing. It's very low cost. There are a little bit of things you need to be able to support to work with the Department of Defense. But through a capability called the Other Transaction Agreement, which I want to highlight because sometimes when commercial companies hear about working with the federal government, they think, oh, there's all those different ways of doing business. I don't want to move my business into that. It's just too hard. And this other transaction agreement was set up by Congress 
to provide commercial terms and commercial sensibilities for companies to come in and work with the federal government under terms and conditions that they're very familiar with and in a work style that they're very familiar with as what I would call commercial Silicon Valley-like behavior. So it's a huge departure from the traditional legacy DOD contracting world. So let's talk about your other job with Federated Wireless. I was very lucky to have Iyad Tarazi on this podcast just probably a couple of months ago, and he is incredible. So tell me about your role at Federated Wireless. You bet. So Federated is a member of the National Spectrum Consortium. As you know, Federated is one of the pioneers in shared spectrum. And, and that's really critical because if you look at spectrum in the United States, there aren't many sort of easy spectrum bands to move people out of or reallocate. It's quite expensive and it takes a long time. So sharing spectrum between the public sector and the commercial industry's needs is really critical to our growth in 5G. And that's what Federated does at the most basic level. Our technology allows incumbents to share spectrum with commercial parties, whether that's private enterprise, banks, oil companies, et cetera, smart warehouse, smart cities, to share spectrum with the military and to really improve our use of the spectrum and thereby our growth in 5G. And that's fundamentally what the company is founded on. We have some FCC approved technology that permit that to happen. Mm -hmm. But if you're a private enterprise and you're saying, I'd love to deploy my own network, the first thing you're going to want is, can I get access to spectrum on my own? Right? How much control of that network can I have? And using this shared spectrum model, you can get access to that for long, long periods of time, almost permanently if you want to, and build a network and start building the applications that you want to have to serve the enterprise. Wow. I love it. Innovative. Disruptive. I love it. Those words come to my mind when I hear yes. federated wireless. So I was reading this report. It's a new report that was released by the consortium, the third wave, how 5G will drive job growth over the next 15 years. And, you know, I have to say, I spent probably almost two hours last night just reading through this report, and it was incredible. I mean, I was so, so impressed. So I want to dive into the report just a bit. The first thing is that the report talks about the three waves of wireless-driven job growth. Can you just touch on those three waves a bit and why the third wave is, is so instrumental? Sure. And I think it gets to the point of it is that 5G really is a transformational technology for our economy and when I commissioned Dr. Mandel to create this report, it was really because I have a firm belief that if we don't create jobs in 5G and we do not harness these applications, we'll simply be buying other people's technology yet again mm -hmm. with the same challenges and concerns that we have for security and supply chain and all of these things that we have today. So it's absolutely critical that we create jobs in 5G at this transformational point in the wireless industry. If you look at the first wave, going back to 97, you remember the bag phone, like very few people were really impacted by wireless communication at that point. The second wave really is the smartphone and the app economy, really consumer focused and real transformational effort to work in the home, the idea of video and things of that nature. Probably about 25% of the market was impacted by that in terms of jobs. If you look at 5G, it's really in the third wave. What we see is the emergence of IoT, of smart warehouse, smart ports, 
where we have a new worker at many levels who is someone who's going out installing these IoT sensors, who's servicing that sort of cognitive but physical as well, a departure from the pure app economy. At the same time in the third wave, we see really the transformation as 5G is moving away from the traditional telco model into much more of a cloud-based technology. We see the emergence of a new kind of wireless worker, one who's a little bit cloud, a little bit radio, and, and a little bit security perhaps even, and blending of that as we're looking to hire and train and staff that community, especially if you're thinking about it as a private enterprise and deploying your own 5G network. So that's really the third wave. It's, it's the emergence of this cognitive physical worker who's out there with the IoT sensors and things like that, but also the emergence of this new cloud capability coming into 5G and changing the, the traditional workforce. You know, and you mentioned the cognitive jobs versus cognitive physical skilled jobs. And I wrote down a couple of these examples here because I just thought this was just so fascinating and important for people to know as they're looking for their own future and where, what's my place going to be in this 5G world. So like cognitive jobs, some examples are software developers, security specialists, and privacy specialists, cognitive physical skilled jobs, field sensor technician, construction drone operator, robotics maintenance, and telehealth installer. So I think that I'm going to give a link to this report inside of the blog so everyone can refer to the report. But I just think it's fascinating that we've been able to see such, in such detail what types of roles that we are going to need for this 5G future. The other thing I thought was fascinating is that I read 4.6 million jobs will be created by 2034. Now, this is different than what I've been reading from the past reports, correct? I mean, this is updated information. That's right. And if you look at the app economy, roughly generated about two and a half million jobs. So you see almost a doubling that. And that's really the, because of the emergence of the enterprise focus in 5G. In 5G, if you're a leader, a business leader in some vertical, you now have the ability to build and deploy your own wireless 5G network and use AI big data, sensor networks, IoT, for your own applications built from the ground up. And that is fundamentally going to change the way wireless enterprises and leaders engage with wireless. So absolutely, uh, the growth in the commercial industry will continue, but there's now this growth in the enterprise, which is going to have that doubling effect of jobs here in the United States. And every single person will be affected with this, correct? I mean, it seems like. Well, certainly, uh, as we all upgrade our smartphones and things of that nature, there are 5G devices on the market today, right. as we talk, but it's really the emergence of these 5G IoT devices, sensors, vehicle-to-vehicle communication, and cloud that are really going to drive the growth in 5G. Wow, that's amazing. So what industries will be affected by this? Any surprises or anything that, that is uncommon? Well, certainly, 5G will bring about a big change in logistics modernization tracking, sensors, things of that nature. I also see a parallel growth, as is mentioned in the report, in training, for example, use of augmented and virtual reality as an example, which today is actually a fairly limited application. 5G and all of its resilience and reliability, it's going to allow people to do more of that AR, VR training from remote locations, and that's going to have a tremendous productivity gain for the U.S. workforce. 
Additionally, there are applications in telemedicine and telehealth where the reliability of 5G, its ability to slice networks and provide capability um, as needed to locations will certainly improve the use of that robotics and things in healthcare and maintenance. Certainly as we're all working from home more, greater capabilities to work from home as well. Right, right. And what about locations? In the report, I was surprised to see where the jobs would be located. It's not in the areas where I would think they would be located. Well, that's what's so hopeful in my mind growing up in the rust belt of the steel industry of Pittsburgh in the 70s. <laughs> when I see names like Lincoln, Nebraska, or uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, other places like that that are, you know, traditionally they're agricultural or industrial areas, I love seeing the fact that there's an opportunity for a lot of this physical technologies to grow and be deployed out in these new areas, sort of rebirthing in many of the cases. And, and I think that has tremendous opportunity for the U.S. economy and just the way the entire country and our growth as a nation would allow us to grow together. I think that is an excellent, excellent outcome of this report. And we're already feeling it in staffing with broad staff because our, the demand for workers is in very different areas than last year or even the year before. And it's aligned with exactly what you're saying. So has COVID slowed or accelerated the rollout of 5G? I know I was reading in the report that 106,000 jobs were created in 2020 during this the pandemic and everything that we had going on. So what will be the long-term effects of COVID on 5G? Well, I think you can look at it from two angles. From an impact perspective, in terms of maybe slowing a little bit, certainly 5G is a 3GPP standard. And as the standard's developing, it's dragging out a little bit further because folks aren't able to attend those meetings. They're trying to resolve these issues more remotely. So we're seeing perhaps the standard and some of its rollout impacted as COVID prolongs. That's one thing on the negative side. On the positive side, since we're all working from home more, there's just greater and greater demand for bandwidth to the home, as well as to the phone and other areas. And that's really going to continue to fuel 5G. U.S. carriers have rolled out 5G. They have plans to upgrade that as the standard comes about and uh, certainly looking to deploy more millimeter wave technology and other things along the line. So I see two things. One, the standards its body itself is slowed down a little bit just because of COVID, but there's a lot of uptake in that because of folks working from home and technology growing as well. Exactly. Well, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about training because we need to fill 4.6 million jobs and training is going to be key. So how is this going to happen? I, I know I've interviewed quite a few people about this subject and it's critical, right? Training is absolutely critical. So how are we going to do this? Well, I think it starts with defining what the 5G worker is. For, for leaders today in enterprise, looking at 5G as a cloud-native technology, cloud-based technology, a lot of the applications and AI and other things that ride on top of it, mobile edge computing, really will define the type of worker that you need and how you train them. And that person needs a little bit of everything. It might be more of a little bit of skills in many areas as opposed to, I'm just going to hire a really solid RF engineer to, or a Wi-Fi person to run my network at my enterprise anymore. What I like with the consortium is undertaking, the National Spectrum Consortium, is starting to work with state labs, state and local folks to pull them into some of the things that we're doing, but also to see if there are ways that we can work together to extend what DOD's major investment in 5G in the United States can filter into some of the neighborhoods, communities, community colleges, 
universities where they're almost getting on-the-job training and hands-on understanding of 5G, and we're leveraging what those academics are doing in 5G, and there's some cross-pollination there. I think there's an excellent opportunity to do that and to grow beyond what DOD is doing at bases around the United States to communities around those bases and then cities, community colleges, and local universities. So what do policymakers need to do to harness the full potential of 5G, in your opinion? Well, well, first off, I think we're off to an excellent start in that we see the emergence, particularly in the mid-band spectrum, of shared spectrum technologies. There have been some auctions that, that are going on that are freeing up more and more mid-band uh, spectrum. We need to continue to do that, but do that in a way that allows the Department of Defense to perform its mission to secure our national borders, to have our warfighters, our neighbors and friends who serve our, our nation, be able to train and fight when they have to go overseas. So we need to continue to work down that path to make spectrum available, but to do so in a way that protects DOD interests and our national interests. As well, I would encourage folks to come to the consortium. We're over 400 companies, but also consider this dual-use opportunity to engage DOD as they're now looking to deploy at multiple sites around the United States to see what can you learn, how can you engage in this process, and perhaps there's a quid pro quo, an opportunity to share some technology the industry has and learn from what DOD is doing in the benefit of U.S. innovation. Okay. You know, I was reading in the report that there's no long-term spectrum plan. So why is one needed and what are the implications of not having a plan? And do you see that there's going to be a plan? Again, I think we have made good inroads in the mid-band spectrum for sure. I think there will continue to look at spectrum. We're going to see that we're, we're going to be pushed into the higher frequency bands, areas that we have traditionally not worked in. So today we're looking at millimeter wave, which is just rolling out. There are folks looking at the terahertz bands, phenomenal amount of capacity, a lot of propagation challenges. We need to continue working with industry on applications and use cases for that kind of technology, but at the same time coming back to DOD and others in industry to develop some of the capabilities that will allow us to leverage some of these very high spectrum bands in the future. So take out your crystal ball and let's look into the future. But what do you see for spectrum? I mean, what's in the next year to three years? Well, as auctions continue and sharing continues to grow, we're really going to have to continue to look at technologies that make spectrum available quickly, certainly more than the traditional 10-year cycle of auction and vacate. There aren't a lot of easy bands left for that. So I see continued research by the Department of Defense and spectrum sharing in new approaches. I see continued collaboration between the government and the private sector to make spectrum available on a shared basis and to find ways to better provide access to both parties and perhaps even a bi-directional sharing opportunity where public sector gets some access to commercial spectrum at times when they need it, when there's sort of life critical situations and vice versa. So there are a lot of levers there still to pull. And I think with spectrum sharing, we're off to a tremendous framework to make that happen. Again, let's not forget, we, the United States is the innovator in spectrum sharing in the wireless industry. And there, you know, if we look around at 5G, a lot of the technology is coming from the US, but it's also coming from overseas. We've innovated in this area of sharing and we should continue to capitalize on that innovation for the wireless future. So if we want to find out more about the National Spectrum Consortium, where would we go? Well, you can visit our website at nationalspectrumconsortium.org. 
and there's ways there to join or just learn more about our mission and what we're doing. Okay, wonderful. And Federated Wireless, what's the website there? Well, federatedwireless.com for those who are looking for um, information and opportunities in spectrum sharing and private 5G networks. Or jobs even, right? I mean, you're hiring. <laughs> we are. And, and I will tell you that through DOD's efforts, there are numerous job postings right now around the United States in 5G, for sure. It's definitely good. helping fuel the economy. Good, good. I love to hear that. Sal, thank you so much for being my guest today on 5G Talent Talk. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Gary. You take care. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.